Tomorrow is a big day for Jackson Dart and Georgia Tech. Those two things. We'll tell you exactly how it is a big day right here on the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome to the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Willis. You can see it right there. Um, Thank you for joining the show today. Today we're going to talk a lot about how this is Jackson Dart's big day. This this is the day we've all been waiting for. Now, we're going off of the information that has gone around Ole Miss over the course of the week. And the one singular source that I trust inside of Ole Miss with information, when if, where if he says something, I believe it is Chuck Roundsville. And he says it is a 99.9999% chance that Jackson Dart starts. So I'm going to take him at his word. And know that this could be a huge day for Jackson Dart. Before we get started, though, I want to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Also, thank you very much for making the Lockdown Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. So do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications and new videos, which come quite frequently, and upvote the video itself. I appreciate that. Also, participate in the comment section below. Tell us what you're thinking. Tell me where I'm wrong. Do all of that stuff. Perspectives matter on this channel. This channel is all about commentary and perspectives. We don't care about anything else. We want this to be fun for the fans. So you being able to chime in and do that in a trollist environment, is important to this channel. So we're going to do zero tolerance and we're going to let you have your say. Um, It's going to be very fun there. So anyway, this is a big game for Jackson Dart. This is the game where if he comes in and sets the world on fire, the job is his. The job is practically his as it is. We just need confirmation at this point. He's the leading passer He's like 28 of 42 or something like that. Um, Let me see exactly what his stats are. He's like 28 of 42. I'm in the Georgia Tech game notes for a little bit later on. So, um, yeah, he's 28 of 42, one interception, 336 yards and three touchdowns, and a little bit over three quarters worth of work. Those aren't horrible numbers, even a little bit. And if you look at that, then Luke Altmaier is like seven of 15 with an interception, a couple of touchdown passes as well. The, the numbers are getting to the point where they're lopsided to where you can say whatever you want to say about the situation that's going on. That doesn't change the fact that, hey, this is what we're looking at. The person that's getting the snaps is Jackson Dart. And like I said, Chuck Roundsville reported that. So this is the game against a Power 5 opponent. And we're going to break into Georgia Tech in the second segment. It's not necessarily going to be a preview. It's going to be like a by-the-numbers, tell-of-the-tape type situation. And knowing that, 
Jackson Dart has a chance to honestly put a stranglehold on this job. He pretty much has a chance to win the job this weekend, if he hasn't already. I think that's the caveat to all of this. There's a chance he's won the job, that he's getting all the first-team snaps. All the stuff that we can't see is going on. Nobody's talking, and that's the way it should be. Because I've told you, they're playing gamesmanship for Kentucky. And they're like, Steve, they don't play Kentucky for two and a half weeks. That's true. But this whole time's going on, analysts and GAs are breaking down game film week by week. And there are differences between Luke Altmaier and Jackson Dart in the way they play, the way the game is called. All of that stuff is real. They might look similar to the naked eye and the operation looks the same, but they are a little bit different. So allowing the other team to zero in on a singular style of play helps them with their early breakdown because they're doing week by week. They're talking about all of this stuff. So that's one of the reasons they're playing this game, even though it might not matter for Georgia Tech, it might not matter for Tulsa, but it might matter for Kentucky. And that's why they're doing that. They're trying to make it to where the GAs and the consultants and the analysts have extra work to do. They want the game plan and the breakdown of Ole Miss to be thicker than it would have been. That allows for essentially misinformation and then practicing stuff that may not be important. That's all gamesmanship. That's all part of it. But that absolutely does happen. Uh, I remember several times there's stuff that wasn't brought up when I worked at Ole Miss. One day, we were having an open practice. And Coach O was a little bit of a paranoid type. So we ended up having to go get camcorders, like handheld camcorders, to give to our student videographers to carry around and film the crowd to see who was shooting, see who was tweeting, to see anything that was suspicious. That was going on during practice. We had a camera trained on the media the whole time. So when people say, no, it's not that serious, um, no, stuff like that doesn't happen, Steve. Steve, you're overreacting and overthinking about this. That's an example of a situation about seven levels more paranoid than something like this would be. So that's my point about that. But Jackson Dart in this game, let's say Jackson Dart goes 25 for 35, 300 yards, four touchdowns, and let's say a pick, just because he's a young quarterback, and a pick. Job's his. It's, it's obvious. At that point, all the analysts and all that for Kentucky have done all this extra work and is basically useless, but it's still there. Those are hours that they didn't spend breaking down Jackson Dart and to find his weak spots because he's a young quarterback. He has weaknesses. There's going to be ups and downs with Jackson Dart. He is not a finished product. And everybody needs to set their expectations about that. He is not a finished product. He is going to have to learn on the job. Similar to Matt Corral whenever he threw six interceptions against the drop eight at Arkansas. He had never seen that defense. It happened. He struggled. Similarly to when he threw um, five picks against LSU that same year. 
everybody thought going into Matt Corral's junior or senior year, I don't know what it was because of COVID, forgive me. And it turns out that he had to go grow from those experiences. Well, those experiences are yet to happen with the quarterback situation at Ole Miss right now. So maybe you can coach it differently. Maybe you can do installs a little bit differently. You can do things like that. But until a player actually goes through it and sees it, every rep matters. They're not going to jar it into like real memory for drawback, for quick quick ram, basically. And he, he has to go through it that first time. And he's going to go through it, I think, this season. Starting Saturday. Like I said, when Chuck Roundsville says something, I believe it 100% of the time. He's the only person that covers Ole Miss that I treat that way. Everybody else is trust but verify. But him, when he says it, he has earned the right over the last 40 years for me to believe it. So I'm going to go, going to go into this with the impression this is a big day for Jackson Dart. Huge day. Massive day. But once this quarterback situation gets done, if he has that big game that I just told you about, and he is named the starter with the way that Lane Kiffin treats his starter, because he has not even said the word starter. He says, go first. But once he names a starter, Lane Kiffin's personality is going to change. He is uber sensitive to the psyche of a quarterback. The confidence level is going to rise. The ball placement is going to rise. You're going to see basically Jackson Dardick's hell. You're going to see the receivers all of a sudden look more open. You're going to see Michael Triggs start to become more effective, and that running game is going to be even more effective than it already is. There's a lot there. I just want to see against Georgia Tech. Win by one point or win by 40, it doesn't matter. That That's not going to affect me either way. But I want to see it operationally clean. I want to see Ole Miss avoid turnovers, and I want to see the line play be dominant. And we will talk in the second segment about why that line play comment is kind of a big deal. So, if you look down on the bottom line below, you can see that Ole Miss is 16.5 point favorite. The over-under has gone up to 63. The game's at 230 Central on ABC. This line and all lines here are brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts. BetOnline is also your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, MMA, MLB, boxing, golf, and MLS. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast 
your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including iTunes and Spotify. Please leave a five-star review on both of them. You can say whatever you want to say. Just make sure it's a five-star review. It may not be your cup of tea, but it could be somebody's, and that five-star review will help them search it and find the podcast later on. So we do appreciate that. And thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your Ole Miss morning show. So, all right. We are going to do something a little bit different today. And I know y'all probably get a little bit nervous whenever I say stuff like that. But we're going to do something a little bit different today. And that is because I love game notes. I have always loved game notes. And especially opposing team game notes. I've been combing through them since I was 15, 16 years old. I love game notes. And whenever opponents, and even Ole Miss they do this, they do a by the numbers section. And the way they do this, it's going to be positive towards Georgia Tech. Everything in here is going to be positive towards Georgia Tech, but you can get clues of exactly what you're walking into with exactly what they're being positive about. So, for example, right here, we got Dante Smith, right? He's the only running back in the NCAA Division I FBS to combine at least 100 rushing yards and three touchdowns on 11 carries or less in a game this season, which he did with 102 yards and three scores on seven carries last Saturday against Western Carolina. Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson is the only other FBS player to accomplish this this season, which he did versus Utah on September 3rd. Okay, A, that is a crazy specific stat. I'm sure Dante Smith is a good running back. I'm sure all of that. But whenever you um, rush for at least 100 yards and three touchdowns on 11 carries and less in a game this season, that that's just a forced stat a little bit. And he's obviously a bright spot of the offense, but I think they're building up him up more than he is. I mean, he could be a face. Um, of the Georgia Tech team. We'll see tomorrow. Number um, Allende Ale is the only player in all of FBS with at least 20 tackles, two tackles for loss, two fumble recoveries, and a forced fumble this season. He's a dude. You can tell. It's a simple thing. You, you see the contrast in the one-for-one. One. He's a dude. Those are huge numbers, more tackles than anybody on Miss's team, two tackles for loss, two fumble recoveries, and a forced fumble. He's a guy. So, um, Ayinde Ale is a guy that is going to be important in this game on Saturday. Now, if we keep going, Jeff Sims is in his third season of Georgia Tech starting quarterback. He's the first signal caller to start three straight season openers since Justin Thomas from 2014 to 2016. That's that's a legit stat. That is an experienced stat. That's something you should pay attention to. Jeff Sims is a decent quarterback. Um, I think he's 31 of 53. Um, he doesn't throw the ball overly downfield. He has he can be have some accuracy issues. So pay attention to him. Experienced quarterback. I don't know if he's going to be fooled, but teams that face the drop eight for the first time have trouble. Ask Matt Corral about that. Also, Saturday's meeting is the fifth all-time between Georgia Tech and Ole Miss. The team of teams have only met once previously in the regular season, a 24-7 triumph 
on October 12, 1946. And if you watch this channel for any length of time, we have a video on that um, from way back in the summer talking about after that game, Ole Miss hired Johnny Vault. And Johnny Vault tried to get Bobby Dodd to continue the series. Bobby Dodd would not travel to Mississippi to play Ole Miss or Mississippi State. And a whole thing developed over the next 15 years. And when Georgia Tech threw their temper tantrum and left the Southeastern Conference, um, and then they discovered it was a mistake, they tried to get back in. There was two separate efforts to get Georgia Tech back in the SEC in the 70s. Both of them were basically vetoed by Ole Miss and Mississippi State. And it's all because of the reaction to that game and Bobby Dodd being hired at Georgia Tech um, and not wanting to go to Mississippi. It was completely petty. But, yeah, this is the fifth matchup. The, the second three have all been in bowl games. Um, one Sugar Bowl, one Peach Bowl, and one Music City Bowl. That's the history between Ole Miss and Georgia Tech. Now, there's a situation here. Georgia Tech's defense have racked up seven sacks through two games, which is its most through two games since it totaled 11 sacks during the first two games of the 2007 campaign. The Yellow Jackets are on pace for 42 sacks during the season, which would be their most in any regular season since they had 48 sacks in 07. Um, that tells me the defensive line is getting a little bit better. We need to pay attention about that. Defensively, they sound like they might be a pretty decent team. I'm going to be interested in how they perform and line up against the Ole Miss Rebels, but... I mean, that's that's an interesting game note. Now, shifting gears a little bit here. Yeah, Georgia Tech win. This is what they would write up. This is the win. They would, t they would go to 2-1 and one on the season with their only loss being Clemson. It would give the Yellow Jackets consecutive wins for the first time since it won four straight games in 2018. That's, that's a hard stat. I mean, if you read this stuff, it, this very well could be Vanderbilt game notes. I mean, serious. This is this is a hard man. I feel sorry for the notes guy. Um, be on its second win over a nationally ranked team in its last twelve games, joining a forty-five to twenty-two route over North Carolina, September twenty-fifth of last year. Good grief, North Carolina. It would make um, it three and two all time against Ole Miss if they won the game. It would be the first win over Ole Miss since a 24-7 triumph in the 1953 Sugar Bowl, which clinched the 1952 National Championship for the Yellow Jackets, although I don't know if that's the stats because I think the National Championship back then was awarded before the bowl game, so I don't, I don't know about that one. And it would be its first victory over an SEC opponent since a 33-18 victory over Kentucky in the 2016 Tax Slayer Bowl. So that is interesting. That That is honestly a pretty sad readout from Georgia Tech there. And um, I, that, that, that uh, yeah, I don't know what to say about that. And anyway, a Georgia Tech loss would drop it to 1-2 and two on the season, drop it to 2-3 and all-time versus Ole Miss, and be its fourth loss to a nationally ranked opponent in its last five games. All of that's interesting. All of that is good stuff, you know, basically – with Georgia Tech. This, that is an, a way that you can get to know the team you're playing without actually seeing a second of film on them. Because people that have seen them 
are trying to write very positive things about what's going on with Georgia Tech. These press notes that they hand out, these game notes from Georgia Tech, this is going to be a Georgia Tech version of the story of press notes. That's the reason stats get really specific. And when they don't have to get specific, you know that guy's a dude. So it should be a lot of fun tomorrow at historic Grant Field at Bobby Dodd Stadium. 2.30 on ABC. Ole Miss is 16.5-point favorite. Over-under sits at 63 points. That, uh, of course, is brought to you by Bet Online. We're going to have Tom Vanderford right after this break, and we're going to talk a little bit more Georgia Tech, Jackson Dart, and Ole Miss moving forward. Anyway, till then, stick around. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. So do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell for notifications when we release a new video, and of course, upvote the video itself. The only way you can participate in our post-game, any of our live streams, is by being a subscriber. So go ahead and subscribe to that YouTube channel. I'm here with Tom Vanderford for his weekly segment. And as you can tell, um, Tom, the title of this episode is Jackson Dart will take over the job versus Georgia Tech. And so that is pretty obvious where I'm leaning at the moment. Is this really Jackson Dart's time to shine against Georgia Tech? I, th- I think definitely so. I mean, if he wants to, uh, we you know, just like Lane said earlier in the week, we're, we're still in a quarterback competition. Well, Jackson Dart uh, should get the start uh, Saturday, and it's his time to shine. He needs to take the reins of this team. He needs to take command of the team. He needs to be the quarterback that we all know he can be. And I am very hopeful that he is up for it. Now, I'm cautiously optimistic as well. I think we will beat Georgia Tech, but I've been around Ole Miss football enough to know when you've got a semi-inexperienced sophomore quarterback on the road for the first time in a Power 5 game, uh, it would not surprise me if he made some mistakes. Mm -hmm. Uh, As a matter of fact, I'd be shocked if he didn't make any mistakes. Um, The thing is to limit those mistakes. I think that's where Kiffin and Weiss come in. And I think if we're able to run the ball, which we should be, uh, I, I think we'll see a lot of number six, number four, number 24, uh, maybe even number three uh, come Saturday. Yeah, if you see number three, I think this game's gotten a little bit out of hand, um, which is good exactly. news for Ole Miss. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, well, we'll just move on into it. So what do you think are the keys to the Georgia Tech game? What's the key to the game? The key, the key to the game, as far as I'm concerned, is our defense needs to keep improving. Uh, this will be their first big test. Uh, we've got the players. Uh, they've had time to gel. So I want to see a good defensive effort. And then my key on offense would be I want to see us run the ball good, establish the run, and I want to see some good play action passes to our tight end, to our receivers, so on and so forth. Uh, limit mistakes, limit penalties. You know, we had at the end of the Central Arkansas game, I know that it was, you know, third stringers in there, but we had so many penalties on the offensive side of the ball, and we cannot afford that. 
uh, this Saturday. Now, I'm not saying or pretending that Georgia Tech's a juggernaut, but they are a solid Power 5 team that played Clemson pretty close in the first half. Mm-hmm. Although yeah. I'll I'll go out on a limb right now and, and t- say I think Dart's better than their quarterback right now. So that's just me. I'm probably the only person in America that thinks Dart's better than Ugalele. But I think Dart's a better quarterback right now, those two. I think Altmaier's a better quarterback than Ukulele. I completely agree. Mm-hmm. I, I told somebody the other day, we are so fortunate. I cannot remember a time where we've had – where we've been this – I, I, you know, the word escapes me, but been this fortunate to have good quarterbacks. You know, for most of my lifetime, we've had a really good starting quarterback, and we've always prayed that he doesn't get hurt. Uh, and and we've got some depth there at quarterback, and that's a blessing. I think Luke Altmyer's a fine football player. Yeah, you probably is. Go ahead. Yeah, no, you go ahead. Uh, I mean, it probably goes back to Romero Miller's senior year in 2000, whenever his backup was Eli Manning. That's the last time we were in this good of a yep. shape at quarterback. Yep. Maybe Jordan Tamu with Matt Corral backing him up, but that's like true freshman Matt Corral. Um, yep. it, it, the, Ole Miss has been blessed over the last 20, 25 years to have some really good quarterbacks. Nobody will doubt that. But you are absolutely correct. It's usually been one really good quarterback. And the step below it was not quite there. Maybe if you want to go back in time before Romero and that, um, Tom Luke and Rush Howes. Yeah, that was uh, that was the last time I uh-huh. think we had two really good quarterbacks. Yeah. You know? And uh, we're deep. We're deep at quarterback. And, and I'm uh, – thankful for that i really am um i i hate that uh luke kind of dinged his shoulder up a little bit but just looking taking my red and blue glasses off and just looking at the and i know it was central arkansas but just looking at the game i saw dart do things with his arm that reminded me of a younger matt corral not Matt Corral last year by any means. Matt Corral last year was unbelievable, but but the year before that, when we went five and five, he made he, he reminded me a lot of that Matt Corral. Yeah, you know he he made some arm angle throws, he made some deep throws, and like you were saying, that one out route that he made where he zipped that sucker in there to Wade, that. That that was Corralish, you know. Yeah. He's he, so. Uh, it will be interesting to see if he can continue that and limit his mistakes Saturday. And and I think that's key to the game. I think Jackson Dart is the key to the game. Yeah, I and think. it's it's a situation where he can take this game and completely take over this job to where against Tulsa we're not even asking quarterback situation questions because Georgia exactly. Tech. Georgia Tech has a decent defense. This is like the most sacks through two games a Georgia Tech team has had. I think they've got seven this year since 2007. It's a long time. They've got a linebacker that's kind of a dude. 
Mm-hmm. And offensively, they're kind of offensively challenged, but they got some players on defense. Jeff Collins is a defensive guy. Right. They gave Clemson fits. If Jackson Dart goes out and performs well against Georgia Tech, this competition may already be over as right. far as we actually know. Right. But this thing will could be publicly over by 8 o'clock Sunday, or Saturday night. I, I completely agree. I completely mm-hmm. agree. And, and, you know, you, you brought that up with their defense and just something else. I, I like our offensive line, but they're going to have to play a lot better than they played against Troy uh, to protect the quarterback and to open running lanes. Mm-hmm. And, I, and they have the ability to do, that, to do that. We've got some really good offensive linemen. So hopefully they've uh, worked on their craft this week because that's going to be another key. I mean, you know, you, you, you can only go so far as far as the offensive line takes you. And uh, they've got to protect the quarterback and they've got to open running lanes. Yeah, and one thing I think um, our fan base needs to realize, whenever the offense is struggling like late in games, we run an offense that you can't really go halfway. It only works right. if you're all in. So if you take away the R out of the RPO, all of a sudden, if you're forcing the pass every play, the pass is not going to be as effective as it would have been if you ran the whole offense. So Exactly. Uh, yeah, just understand, it's, it's hard to do this offense in half measures, and sometimes against overmatched teams like Troy and Central Arkansas, that will show itself from time to yeah. time. So let's look ahead, Tom. What is What does the rest of 2022 look like for Ole Miss? It's a it's it's a building experiment. Each week, we face a tougher opponent. I yes, I think Tulsa is going to be tougher than Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. I know that Kentucky is going to be our first big test. Mm-hmm. Can we beat Kentucky? Yes. Should we beat Kentucky? In my opinion, we should. But didn't Kentucky just last week go down to Gainesville and beat Florida? So mm-hmm. they're they're no slouch by any means. They got a good running game. They, you know, their defense is solid. But I still think if we progress as we should, in my mind, and like you tell people all the time, this shows about perspectives. Mm-hmm. My perspective is, is if we keep progressing like we should, our staff and our and our team gels and and progresses as it should. We should be seven and zero. Oh. Yeah. After our first seven games. Now, that's my perspective. We have the talent to do it. We have the coaches to do it. Uh, and we have the schedule to do it. That, does that mean it's going to happen? No. It's just like you said. There's, you know, there's there's a difference between talent and, and winning. And, mm-hmm. you know, difference between talent and being good as a team. But I see flashes in our first two games. I, I, I know they were... They were lesser opponents, but I saw a lot of the transfers and a lot of the folks that have been there a while, chest bumping, high-fiving, this, that, and the other, and that makes me feel well because I'm always – let me take you back to just – and this is just my – you know, a friend of mine and I were talking about this the other day, and he watches the podcast. Back when uh, we brought Jeremiah Masoli, Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a lot of players on the team that wanted Nathan Stanley to have that job, and there was this rift on the team. 
and uh, you could see it on the field. Uh, I don't see any of that with this staff and with this team. I see everybody, whether it's, you know, Altmaier throwing the trig and everybody happy, Dart throwing the trig, everybody happy, Altmaier and Dart giving each other high fives. It's just, it's it's refreshing to see. And, and I, I take it back to that old Pete Carroll, uh, Lane Kiffin pro mindset type. This is this is about us. This is about the team, pro mindset. It's what you got to do, I th- yep. and I think that they've handled it correctly. So I don't have that concern anymore. Yeah, there's three tenets to this program. That's first one is fun. So whatever they're going to do, they're going to project fun out, and that's just for recruiting. Number two is competition. They do not care how good you think you are, they're going to go out and try and recruit you to the bench. And you're going to have to compete for your job. You're seeing that this year. And the other is pro mindset, which when Ed Orgeron was here, that rule was it's all about the team. Mm -hmm. Lane Kiffin tweaked that a little bit to do the pro mindset so he could have the hashtag. But it's the same thing. It's basically just take care of your business, be where you're supposed to be, and do what you're supposed to do. I mean, that that's exactly. what it means. And I think this team could be very good. Um, they're building. I want to see them operationally improve from Central Arkansas to Georgia Tech. Going on the road could be different at historic Grant Field at Bobby Dodd Stadium. And it, it, it should be interesting. But this game is important because Georgia Tech has some dudes on that defense, and they have a pretty good defense. So this will be the first actual real test for that offensive unit. Are they going to struggle some? Potentially. Um, Is Georgia Tech going to be able to keep them down? I doubt it. But there are some guys on that side of the ball. Exactly. Exactly. And it all lends credence to what we've been talking about. Uh, We progressively are getting better and better opponents, which has given us time to progressively get better and better on both sides of the ball as well. So it's it's a... the schedule this year has set up real good for us to grow on both sides of the ball. Yeah, and and whenever that Kentucky game that everybody has circles gets here, the one everybody says you won't know anything about this team until after the Kentucky game. You won't know anything about this team. Well, the only thing that you will know that you wouldn't already know is that if, whether or not this team can compete with Alabama because Kentucky is good. They, and, yes, they are. And, and that that is what you learn after the Kentucky game. All the other stuff you can start learning right now, all the operational stuff, all the stuff that doesn't necessarily require an opponent to figure out, that stuff's all out there right now. But if you want to find out if this team has a chance to win the West and compete with Alabama, yes, you find those answers in the Kentucky game. No, I completely agree. I completely agree with you. Uh, right. We – uh Go ahead. No, I was just going to say we've we've got um, a chance to have a special season. Mm-hmm. We've also got a chance to win six games. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, I, I I I think I read where and it may have been you said our floor is five. I, I think our floor is six, uh, but I think our ceilings you know nine or ten if everybody continues to improve uh, each game. Mm-hmm. And we get to, we get a couple of lucky bounces. Let's face it. 
to win nine, ten games in the SEC, you got to have a few bounces go your way. You yeah, know? you need Even, you need to have the um, sack fumble at Tennessee for Matt Corral be whistled exactly. dead whenever Tennessee takes it to the house. You, you need exactly. some stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Exactly, you need those. So, but yeah, we'll, I, it's just going to be great uh, to enjoy this season uh, if you're a Rebel fan. And just remember, this is, in my opinion, and I think I've even heard you say this, this is really all about next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, next year, we're, we, we should be really, really good. And uh, we're going to be good this year. But next year, I think that we are definitely going to be a team that competes for the West. Yeah, potentially favored for the West next year. Uh, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, it's a good team. Anyway, um, get more on the SEC by making Locked On SEC your second listen. Everyday host Chris Gordy and his local experts of Locked On take you across the SEC in 30 minutes. Make Locked On SEC your second listen. Locked On SEC. Tom, thank you very much for coming by today. Great segment as always. Um Enjoy the game and also watch the postcast. Um, whenever we do yes. that, um, yes, I will. Did you yeah. did you nail down uh, who you thought you might? Um, we have we're going to have Stuart Patridge and Walker yeah. Jones. You can see it up right now. Oh, dude, um, that's awesome. Uh, they will be awesome. on after the Georgia Tech game. We'll do that. Remember to subscribe to the YouTube channel in order to chat and participate in the show as well. But, Tom, thank you very much, man, and I will um, catch you next week, bud. Thanks, man. Hotty toddy. Hotty toddy.